Welcome, listeners, to another episode of Self-Assembly. I am your host, Zach Cousin, and I just want to personally thank you for taking time out of your precious incarnation to join me here today. On today's episode, we're going to be talking about the very beginning of self, or rather, the decision to create another self, and by that I mean having children. At some point in our journeys, a lot of us inevitably hit this moment where Even though we're still bumbling along with life, trying to make sense of ourselves and the greater universe, we decide, hey, let's bring someone else into this wild journey as well. The reason we decide to do so is a weird mixture of both conscious and unconscious thought. There are, of course, the biological triggers that just come with occupying a human body. We need to reproduce to keep the species going. But for me, there's also a very spiritual aspect to it as well. Now, I'm not a parent yet, but I am one of those people who just knows they want to be a dad, and part of what excites me about that is the creation of life through the love and partnership of someone that I vowed to journey through life together with. It's insane enough that two human beings can create a biological vessel for consciousness, but to me, it's that merging of two souls to create something new that really gives me goosebumps. Your parents obviously passed down their genetics, but they also passed down the genetics of all those that came before them, as well as the experiences and personalities of their parents, their parents' parents, and so on. Energy can never be destroyed. It can only change forms, and I think that's what's so wild about being parents. You create this vessel for energy, and then through the experiences you're able to give that energy, it constantly evolves. It's ever-growing, always learning and changing, becoming closer and closer to whatever the hell it is that human beings are meant to become. Some would say that being human is effectively the universe trying to understand itself, that the energy that makes us all alive has been here since the dawn of existence itself, and every single person's experience is moving us all closer and closer to this unfathomably epic moment in time where all of our energies merge and we effectively become the universe itself. I'm not sure if that's actually what's happening, but I think the idea of it is pretty cool. And it's an aspect of being a dad that I cannot wait to explore. But amidst all the great aspects of being a parent, there are a lot of challenges. You take on this new role of harboring a new life through the human experience when you're not even really sure where you're trying to steer your own. You sacrifice so much, and it can be really easy to lose track of who you really are anymore. In that way, I feel like being a parent is such a beautiful representation of the human experience. It brings you through the full range of emotions that you can experience as a person, the ups and the downs. It's ultimately one of the greatest lessons for what this whole thing called life is truly about. My next guest is someone who has been in my life for more than a decade now. He's a mentor and a very close friend and talks about all things related to parenthood on his excellent podcast, Modern Dadhood. We had a really awesome conversation that I can't wait for you to hear. Please, everyone, welcome to Self-Assembly, Adam Flaherty. my friend. It's been far too long. Welcome to Self-Assembly. Hey, man. Great to see you. Thanks for inviting me to be part of this. I've been listening for a long time, and uh, and it's an honor to be asked to participate. You are, you are too kind. Well, I have been listening to your show as well. Adam is the host of an awesome podcast called Modern Dadhood, 
where he explores the kind of just wild and crazy world of being a father in this moment, which I think is so just needed and, and important because this moment seems to change so drastically on like a daily basis. I have no idea just how you keep up with it as a father. Um, I'm sure we'll unpack a little bit of that in this conversation. Um, so yeah, I mean, just to kind of tee it off, uh, man, I, I guess my first question for you, and I, I only ask because um, I, I think about this myself too, is just you made this decision um, with your your partner, with, with Sarah, to do what is arguably like the most insane, intense commitment that two human beings can do that we have clearly been doing for since the dawn of our species, obviously, otherwise we we wouldn't be here. <laughs> um, so is is that just tell me about the decision to like bring another human being like from the ether you know like is that is that something you even consciously think about like deeply or was it just kind of like something you guys knew you just wanted and it just like oh okay i guess we're having kids now <laughs> yeah great question uh, i mean sarah and i had been together for a long time before we even got married so it was 2003 that we got together and we didn't get married until 2010 I got to make sure I got my dates right or I'm going to be uh, uh, sleeping on the futon or something. But uh, and yeah, I mean, I think, you know, most couples have that conversation at some point when they realize things are becoming serious enough that, you know, there's potential that we could become lifelong partners. They, ha you know, part of that decision, I think, is are we on the same same wavelength with whether we want to grow our family or whether we want it to just be us. And so I don't remember when it was, but I'm sure early on in our relationship, we talked about having the potential for having kids. We met when we were freshmen in college. And that was right around the time when my older siblings, you know, my oldest, I have three older siblings. My oldest is 20 years older than me. And so my older siblings were having kids. And so I had young nieces and nephews and <clears throat> So they were a big part of my life and a big part of the, my decision to go to college uh, only, you know, an hour or so from where I grew up so that I could spend time with them when they were little and really be a part of their lives and and get to know them. And I had the opportunity to to babysit them for, you know, extended periods of time when my brother and his wife would go like take a vacation, just them. And so, you know, when they were two or three years old, you know, I was taking care of them and, and Sarah and I were together. So she would come join me for a few days here and there. So I had a lot of experience with young kids. We got a chance to see each other interacting with young people. And, you know, that, that just sort of solidifies that. Yeah. Like this person who's my partner also would be a very good parent. And, so we were married in 2010, and we still had some things we wanted to do. We wanted to do a bit of traveling. Uh, I was growing my my business, which you were a part of. And I think we just started seeing, you know, to your point, as you were sort of teeing up this question, you start to see people around you ha having kids, you know, getting married, having kids, just sort of doing these steps that, you know, 
in some ways sort of advance their lives. Not to say that you can't advance your lives by traveling or doing a zillion other things that make you a well-rounded person. But, you know, maybe to some degree you start feeling the pressure a little bit. And like not to mention the 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 biological part of it, which is so shitty that you even have to consider that part of it. But we can get into that later. So I guess to bring it back to the beginning of your question, yeah, I think we always probably knew that we wanted to have kids and that we liked having kids and we loved each other. And so the idea of making a person or, or people who were a combination of us was just a really exciting thing. It's interesting that you brought up that pressure thing and, you know, it's uh baby fever as I think the phrase is that they yeah. call it. It's and a it, real thing. Yeah, no, it is. And it's, it's really weird because I I'm now going through the same thing. I have, I have a niece who she's around a year and a half now and she's starting to talk and just, it was so um, the the bond I felt with her, even just being my niece, even just being the child of my brother, it was just instantly I was like, oh, my God, I love this kid more than anything. Like, she is just like the most beautiful, pure soul. You know, it's it's all this all the same things that, that, that everyone has probably said since the dawn of time. But but it, it really did like trigger this thing in me where I'm like, oh, I, I I really I knew I wanted it, but it was like that thing sort of really did hit this acceleration in me where I really started to kind of think like, okay, actually like I've, you know, been working this job in, in DC making decent money for the first time in my life and, you know, kind of not recklessly spending, but I've indulged, I'll say. And so sure. now it's like now we're getting to the point where it's like, okay, let's actually sit down and be real about this because, you know, I, I'm preaching to the choir here, I'm sure, but the the, the amount of energy and the amount of uh, your your own being, and not not to mention all the actual physical things like the the, the money and the time and all that stuff, it, it's like the pure amount of energy that it takes to raise another human being is, is just so it's so intense. You know, I, I was, um, I was having this conversation with, with my colleague today because we had a particularly long work week and, you know, a, a few of our colleagues just like didn't sleep one night. And so we were talking yeah. about just how crazy that was. But then I started thinking about like, you know, this, you, you only have so much energy and to make the decision to like take some of your own energy combine it with the energy of a person that you love to create, you know, you, it takes a toll on you, but at the end of the day, like it's the best thing ever. I hear from so many people. Um, yeah, I, I don't even know really what my, what my question is, but I guess I'll just leave, leave you with that a a little bit. (laughs) I'll hop on, I'll hop on there because what's crazy is when you are married, it doesn't matter if you're married, and when you when you've committed to uh, having a, a life partner, and you decide that you want to have a kid, at that point, I mean, maybe work's really busy. Maybe you've got extracurricular things you have going out on outside of work. Maybe you spend a lot of time with your other family, but you have you still have some degree of time that you can choose what you want to do with it. So. 
in some ways that makes the idea of having a kid, once you start to feel like you're ready, that makes the idea of having a kid mm, like a little easier to justify. What's crazy though, is when you already have one and you're putting all your time and your resources and your energy and your emotion and everything into that kid. And then that baby fever that you brought up comes into play and you're like, all right, in all of the all of the stress, all of the hard stuff, all of the like unthinkably long nights where you're like, I don't know if I'm gonna survive this. I I might die. All of that just sort of like fades into the into the back, and you're like, let's do this again. <laughs> like that's what's crazy, is that is the tricks that your mind plays on itself. And sometimes you have two kids, and then you're like. Uh, let's let's go for a third you know and then there's there's families that have like you know my dad was one of seven and uh and there are families out there that just grow like continue to grow and multiply it's just you're it, at some point like your entire existence becomes devoted to other people and so i mean one of the big things that that we talk about, um, my my fiance Shannon and I, we we talk about, yeah, you know, we want kids, obviously, but I think that, and I hear this from a lot of people too. It's like we're we're waiting to feel ready, and right, and I and I hear that from so many. I hear the same thing from so many people. It's like ah, you'll never you'll never be ready. You'll never be ready. You'll, you know all this all this kind of stuff. Um, whoa, little uh, some little crash in my apartment there. <laughs> Hopefully everything's okay. Uh, Thanks. Yeah, it's fine. Um, but yeah, we you know we we kind of like there are so many things that I think we are still trying to figure out about ourselves. You know, because it's like you're still even in a relationship, even when you bring other children in, it's like you're still that is still a thing that that can't really fall by the wayside, right? Like you're your bond with your partner and everything that led up to the moment where you do have children to me. And, and, you know, maybe I'm, maybe I'm off here. I'm just kind of uh, assuming, I guess, but like for that aspect of it still needs to be healthy and fulfilled. And you still need to kind of like make sure that you're feeding and, and leading a fulfilling relationship. I, I guess like how, how do you balance keeping your own self and like the you that's a partner to your wife and the you that is running a podcast, the you that you're a musician? Like, how do you how do you reconcile with all the different yous that you sort of have to like reprioritize or, or rejuggle while this soul you're, you're effectively nurturing and and giving all the tools that they need to be able to make those decisions for themselves. Like, how do you, how do you do that? That's a good question. I think everybody does it their own way. No matter what, doesn't matter who you are. If you are a parent to a newborn, I mean, up to a, a certain number of months, I don't know if it, maybe it's six months, maybe it's longer. Like you just don't, you, you, it's very easy to lose track of your sense of self and, and a lot of that comes down to the lack of sleep because 
you just can't really control that. Like babies' sleep patterns are so crazy. Like they they have no idea. It takes a long time for them to get into a cycle and to get into a routine where they are awake for most of the day and asleep for most of the night and they take their naps at this time and this time. And that lack of sleep like really can fuck with your brain like really badly. And I think, you know, we uh, on our podcast, our, our fatherhood themed podcast, Modern Dadhood, you know, we talked to recently a uh, a journalist who uh, for the New York Times and a whole bunch of other, you know, notable publications who was had written an article and interviewed a whole bunch of dads about postpartum depression in men. And, you know, you think of postpartum depression as being something that is only present in women because postpartum generally you think of as after you give birth. But in this case, the definition of postpartum is, you know, after, after the birth happens, it doesn't necessarily require that you are the one physically birthing. And so much, so many instances of postpartum depression in men really are a, a result of a lack of sleep in those very early days because mm. it just screws with your brain chemistry so much that it can trigger, you know, things like depression and anxiety. And that, if you don't pay attention to it, can spin out of control. So that's that's one thing. But I think, I mean, my two daughters are nine and six now, and which is absolutely crazy to even say out loud. Yeah, but, I just I was about to say, I remember like working with you before you even had yeah. <laughs> had your first one. That's insane. Yeah, it's nuts. It's nuts how fast time goes. And obviously a very cliche thing to say, but it's it's the truth. I mean, it went by, you know, like that. But really, it's only it's been a very gradual thing for me to sort of rediscover myself and Mm. to make room for passion projects outside of work and outside of family, things like my podcast, which actually isn't outside of family because it overlaps so much because the subject matter is so is, is completely related to my family and my relationship with Sarah and my relationship with the girls and what it means to be a dad. So it's really sort of an opportunity to reflect on that stuff, which is, is kind of nice. It's almost like therapy in some ways, but um, something like, you know, self-care exercise, um, you know, take physically taking care of myself. When I had my first daughter nine years ago, that went out the window, like, I had a pretty good exercise routine before kids disappeared when I, when I had my first daughter. And though I made several efforts over the years to get back into a routine, it just was, you just get so absolutely fried that it's hard to commit to making something like physical, regular physical activity, a priority. And only now nine years in, I just turned 40 years old and I I don't know, it's like I started to think about things a little bit differently. And I I started thinking like, if I'm going to be around for like another 40, 50 years, like I can't, I can't not make this a priority. 
And that's just one example. I mean, that's just physical activity. But I mean, there's like there's mental stuff, you know, I've never um, probably should have seen a therapist, you know, for for a whole long time, but I've never done therapy. But I, you know, it's something that I would certainly consider. But like even just like daily meditation is can be a real game changer. And so I don't know, maybe two years ago. I've never been a morning person, but I started getting up at 5 a.m. And I get so much done in that period of time before anybody else is awake. And it's like it's me time. It's like the small sliver of the day where I can prioritize myself. And if I want to get into work, a little stuff a little bit early. If I want to get into my podcast, if I want to meditate, if I want to whatever, that's my time to prioritize myself and sort of tap into that that sense of self a little bit that has been on the back burner for far too long. And do you think that a part of that too is also setting an example for your daughters? You know, because like they, I mean, I feel like so much of being a parent is just like, you can you can easily fall into a state of reactivity, right? Where you're just kind of like, I mean, maybe maybe that lessens so when once they start to be a little independent and, and they get older. But at, you know, at least in the beginning, I feel like there are, you know, you can read all the books, you can listen to the podcast, you can you know do whatever. But there are just certain things that you really only learn um, while you're in it. And so, like, do you think that part of what you're doing is also making sure that, you know, you are, you're being, you're keeping your, yourself fulfilled for your family as well, right? Like, is that, or is that part of the motivation behind it? Well, we talk a lot on our podcast about how we are not experts in parenting or fatherhood. We bring in guests who some of them are experts, but most of them are not, but they have lived lives that are very different than ours and try to gain perspective from those people. And so to some degree, I'm always trying to learn how to be a better parent. And we also talk a lot about, you know, you don't have to be, you don't have to have read 20 books on how to be a good dad. It's just about modeling good behavior. You know, it's about being present. It's about like listening. It's about, um, it's just sort of about general awareness about, about the things that are going on around you. And, So when you said a few minutes ago, you know, we're waiting for to feel like we're ready to become parents. We're waiting for some kind of sign like you and Shannon could have a kid tomorrow or whatever, nine months from now. And you might not feel like you're ready, but just the fact that like that you guys are very conscious people, you're very present people like you would would be great parents. You will be great parents someday just because of how considerate you are. And I think that 
you know, one of the things that I've learned in now doing like 80 something interviews for the podcast is like, that's a pretty common theme. Like our, my, my parents were great parents. I love them. I have no complaints about my upbringing, but I don't think they were having these types of conversations. They were just sort of going with the flow and the fact that we are, you know, very present. We're, we're, thinking about how to handle situations properly. We're thinking about how to make our, to raise, you know, kind, considerate, like well-rounded kids to give them the space to explore the things that they want to do um, is going to result in well-rounded people. But at the same time, you know, it's like a, this catch 22 because i often have the conversation with my daughters that like you can do whatever you want to do and you don't need to figure it out right now. And this is the time to explore what your interests are. And then if you find something you like, then you go to school and you study for it or you don't or whatever, but like you can do whatever you want to do. The world is your oyster. However, like I find that I'm very rarely living that truth myself. Yeah. Yeah. No, and totally. Yeah. Go ahead. No, I just, it's just tough because you start going down an avenue and yeah, maybe you like splinter off and deviate a little bit from that, but I don't know. It's like you plant your roots somewhere and you start going down a path and it becomes harder and harder the older you get and the more experienced you get to take a hard left and do something completely different. But I want my girls to feel like they can do that whenever they want, because like, what's life if it's not experiencing d- different things and doing things that make you happy and fulfilled? There, There's something about just, I mean, for lack of a better term, the, the magic of being a kid, right? The, there's the this magic that like, it, it does feel like everything is possible to a certain extent for me, because mm-hmm. it, it, it kind of... It kind of is, and and I I firmly believe and agree with with everything you just said. I think that most of us have this sort of like childlike capacity in us to envision something that we want to achieve and then work towards making it happen. And I and I think that it's so cool to just hear that that is like, and and every parent wants their their kid to to feel that right, but for. <laughs> For some reason, like, I, and I don't know what it is, but like we, everyone hits that, that moment where it like, and it sounds so uh, brooding and, and depressing when I phrase it this way, but like, you know, the, the magic kind of starts to like wane a little bit, right? And like all of a sudden people stop, not stop becoming unique, but you you do find yourself sort of like, once you get off the the track, once you get off the track of like, Okay, you're a kid. You go to elementary school, middle school, high school. You go to college if you want. And and then it's like you get plugged into this thing that is like the economy of America or the world or whatever. And then you really have to fight for that magic to like to to mm-hmm. keep it going. Um and like and it's 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 so cool seeing you like do your show like you're I, I love all the attention to detail you've put in your video background. It looks, it's so much better than mine. One day this podcast <laughs> will have video and, and I'll be able to, to show you all how awesome Adam's setup looks. <laughs> um, 
But like, I mean, do you, how do you keep the magic for, for your kids and in yourself? Like what, what are your, what are your tricks to doing that? Or, or are there any tricks? Well, I mean, I've always been a very kind of entrepreneurial person. And so obviously when, when we worked together years ago, I had started this video production business and then, you know, a bunch of years went by and we kind of, our team grew and then, you know, we sold the business to a larger agency and, um, and it's so sort of always been evolving, but at the same time, I've always had these little entrepreneurial things. The podcast is one of them, you know, just, just little projects on the side. And those are the things that kind of keep me excited because I can go to work every day for the agency and do a great job within whatever confines there are of that business, you know, and I can get some fulfillment out of that and I can get the safety of, you know, the sort of the safety net of a paycheck and whatever benefits and, you know, knowing that, that, that I'm working with people who I enjoy, but you're right. Like things can get stale. You start to think like, yeah, I'm making X amount per week. And then that adds up to this amount per year. And like, so I'm making money and then I spend, you know, X percent of that on my mortgage or my rent and my insurance and all that. And, you know, I'm just sort of like moving forward in this line, but am I getting, am I getting the fulfillment and, and, and happiness that I want from that experience? And for me, like getting those little bits of um, excitement, like when we book a really great guest on our podcast, like that, that gets me jazzed. I come up with, um, with an idea for like a business and I'm not going to like quit my job and put everything into this business, but like, it's an idea and I do some writing around it and I see, you know, I, I, I get excited seeing what potential it could have. Um, and I also get excited that my daughters see that kind of entrepreneurial spirit and they are inspired by that too. So, I mean, we keep talking about my podcast, but like my nine, my nine-year-old, uh, we were on vacation a couple of years ago. We were up in the mountains and we were walking on this path, just sort of like a very easy hike through nature. And she came across this tree that had a section of it where there was like a bunch of carvings, but in the middle there was a big heart and she was kind of commenting, I really love that heart, but like, I wish that people didn't damage this tree, this living mm. thing. And she said, um, when I get older, maybe I'll, I'll do a pod. I want to do a podcast about that, about like preserving nature and stuff. And I was like, when you're older, like why wait, let's do it. Like, let's make that now. And she got really excited and we started talking about the types of people that she would want to interview and the type in the, what the artwork would be and all the people that she could share it with and all the topics she could cover. And, you know, a week later when we were at home, we started like recording her podcast yes. and just the idea being able to share this notion with my girls that ideas can easily be turned into actual things uh, is very exciting to me totally totally and and i think that's it's it's so cool right because i i think that you just kind of touched on what i was trying to get at is like the the funnel of ideas 
and I'm listening to um, David Lynch has a book on creativity called Catching the Big Fish. And and he talks a lot about a good day for him is when he gets lots of great ideas. And he talks about how, um, you know, there are surface level ideas that don't require a lot of like, you know, um, deep thought and, 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 um, you know, just digging really deep. You, you, there are very, like there are surface level ideas, but then you can if, through, he uses transcendental meditation. That's his, like his thing. But he talks about how, if you really want to get like the good ideas, like the good world shaping kind of creatively inspiring ideas, you have to go deeper like the mushrooms yeah the mushrooms exactly everyone's (laughs) yes yes everyone needs to take mushrooms no but like the the idea funnel is something really important right and i feel like kids and their imagination is always so it's so just fucking powerful and just like awe-inspiring in a lot of ways like the fact that she just came up with with what would probably be a wildly successful podcast as a nine-year-old and that she's blessed to have a dad like you that says yeah like let's let's just let's do it do it now you know um i mean like that that idea funnel you know is, is that something that you when you look at your kids and and you see their their ability to do that like what are some of the things that you do to make sure that that is like something that you're continuing to feed right and you're making sure because like from my perspective that that's what i that sort of grayness that it's so easy to fall into on a day-to-day i look at it as like oh i'm losing my my childhood like i i don't i i want to always maintain that goofy fucking kid in me at at all costs because that's what gives me energy that's what like keeps me engaged in in the world and excited about possibilities so like how when you see it so fresh and raw in your own kids like are you actively thinking about like oh i I gotta you know and and you just shared an example but maybe like touch a little bit more on on how you do that so with the example of my my nine-year-old daughter's podcast Clearly, I already have the the skill set and the experience to help her create something. It's not that's not the case for everybody, right? So, like, not everybody would say, "Yeah, let's go do this and actually turn it into something." In this case, like, it, it's exciting for me because not only can we brainstorm, you know, ideas for topics, and you know, we, we lined up some amazing conversations, you know, uh, uh, and she is getting the experience of like interviewing people and I can kind of coach her on, you know, what kind of questions to ask and, you know, how to sort of listen for the responses and, and not just stick to like a list of questions, but to respond, you know, with questions that pop into your head based on what they're saying, all this and that. I, not every project is like that. Not every the idea that they come up with is like that. And sometimes like they, their ideas are so like fast and furious that it's exhausting. And I just like, can't Uh, (laughs) the, the, the other problem is that I thought you were about to say sometimes their ideas just suck. (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes they absolutely suck. No, but my other problem is I, and, and this isn't just a problem as it pertains to fatherhood, but some, sometimes it's like with work as well. I need to, my standards for my, my own, my own work, my own creative work 
are very high and mm. often like much higher than other people's expectations. And so when my girls want to, they've been working on like, you know, a little mini screenplay and they want to film a scene of this screenplay that they've been working on. And they've like kind of memorized the lines and they want me to just like take out my phone and film it. And like, of course, like I should take out my film, my phone and film that for them. But I'm like, all right, but like, where do you, where are we going to film this? Like, what's the angle? Like, are you coming in from this direction? Like what happens when she says this and you got to be thinking about the next scene and like, what, how is this supposed to be lit? And it's like, dude, shut the fuck up. No, and you're just directing their, just their little it. play. <laughs> Don't be a dickhead. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and so I need to just, I, I need to like lower the bar and take a step back and, and, you know, recognize that it doesn't need to be perfect. And, and when we share it with her, her friends or our family, like it's not about me and how great I did creating this thing. It's like how fun the, their idea is and that they pulled this off. But also, I don't know if that answers. No, 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 I I totally get that. Like, because you, you know, you, you, (laughs) it's this fine dance, right. With like fostering their own creative growth, but not like, like, forcing them into this like this one specific direction right because that's when that's a fast track to to kill the the creativity in in a lot of ways and i'm sure, sure we all know we all know have people in our lives that grew up with parents like that that just had their own vision for what they what they wanted their kids to be and just force them down that really really narrow path and any small little divergent thing off that was just they looked at as an abject failure and they were like so worried i had a kid that like his parents just wanted him to be a professional baseball player and it's like we're fucking we're like 10 years old playing little league and the amount of pressure this poor kid would put on himself just to play baseball like we're talking you know kids are like you're lucky if you like put the bat on the ball and get it into fair territory, you know, and kids are, if you throw pop it, if it's a pop fly, kids are going to sprint like forward. You know, it's, it's just, they're just kids. It's meant, it's more like fun for the parents just to be like, wow, these kids are like, they're not that great at baseball, but they're having fun. So, but this poor kid, like I used to be in the outfield and I would be like doing handstands out in right field. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. and, And my parents never, never even brought it up. They just let me. They just let me hang out in right field, never getting any action, just standing out there thinking about like, you know, what flavor uh, uh, freeze pop I was gonna have after the game. Oh, that was the best. We always had. Um, <laughs> it, we would always play like who could fit the most big league chew in their mouth at one time. <laughs> it's like their kids would do like the entire pack. It would just be this giant wad of gum. And yeah. Stuff. Like, so, um, was the was the um was the kid on your team actually vi- like naturally very good, or is he this was, just something that the parents was, decided? So he was he had talent, you know. He, I mean, he pit, you know the the best players on the team always end up pitching at some point in little league, right? Yeah. Like, and and you know he was a he was a good pitcher. He was one of the regular uh, guys that would pitch on the team. He would he had a high batting average. He would get on base a lot. He was he was definitely one of the best players on the team, but even despite all that, it was like he looked at anything less than perfection as like it didn't even seem like he was disappointed in himself. It was more like 
my mom and dad are going to be so mad at me for striking mm-hmm. out when I when mm-hmm. my last at bat I hit a two RBI double or something. You know, it it was it was crazy. And and just reflecting on that now, I, I'm I'm thinking like, man, I, I hope that guy. I hope he's okay now. You know, I, I don't really like talk to him too much anymore. But just that level of of pressure is is just so destructive for for anyone. And I'm pretty sure he like doesn't even. He hit a point where I think he just kind of stopped playing sports because mm-hmm. he just because it wasn't it wasn't fun for him anymore, you know. And so so yeah, back, circling back, it's like it's 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 funny that you you kind of not that you were going to that extent, but you know you you did sort of um, you let their vision become your own for a little bit, checked right. yourself, um, but but I guess like. Maybe that's that is kind of a good question though. Is like how do you, how are you striking that balance? Because you, oftentimes you can hear the opposite end of that spectrum too, right? Where there's there's the kids where like the parents had this very narrow vision of what they wanted to be, but then there are also kids that receive like no direction from their parents and like are kind of like lackadaisical, you know, do whatever you want. The world is your oyster and they don't get a lot of direction. And that can also kind of be a little problematic for them too. Like they don't, they don't know how to steer themselves forward. So like, I guess how, as, as a dad, are you, where does that balance lie? And, and how are you, how do you continue to check yourself and and make sure that you're doing the right thing? Every, every kid has their own unique personality. And I think a lot of new parents, you know, have this idea that, you know, my kid is going to be this and we're going to instill, you know, these values. And, you know, my kid, my kid is, you know, going to want to do if if it if we have a girl, you know, they're going to they're going to do ballet. If we have a boy, they're going to do right. baseball. And they're going to fit into these sort of gender norms. And like the reality is you have a kid and instantly they are their own person, you know, from the moment they can like start communicate verbally communicating with you, like they're their own person and you need to sort of react and shape your parenting style around that kid. Hmm. You know, my daughters are six and nine and they're like very different people. And, and so we, have to kind of handle each one like differently and and support them in different ways and react to them in different ways and discipline them in different ways. And I think it's just this constant sort of evolution. And I, I don't know that what I'm doing is right all the time. I mean, thank God I have the, this podcast where I can like bounce ideas off other people and say like, how would you have handled this? Or like, did I like did I fuck this up really bad or, you know, and, and, and laugh about things and, you know, commiserate about things. But I don't know. It's like, I guess in terms of, of striking a balance, it's, I don't know. And then, you know, Sarah and I have things in our lives that go on totally separate from the kids at work. And so you come home after, you know, having a particularly stressful or shitty day. And how do you not, let that impact how you're communicating with your kid. So I don't know, for me personally, it's sort of this constant process of 
just checking in with myself and making sure that I am being like fair and kind and like modeling what I want for them to see. Mm. And it's not just about the things I say to them. It's about the things that they observe. And so referencing back to something very early on that you said, like, I want them to see that Sarah and I love each other, you know, that we will hug each other, we'll embrace, we'll give each other a kiss, we'll support each other. Even if even if things get particularly chaotic in the house and we're like pissed off at the girls because they're not listening, like we we support each other in how we are handling those situations. And and so it really is just about creating an environment that like a family culture, I guess, that sort of supports, you know, the values that are important to us and, and then just dealing with situations, you know, as they come and trying to like recenter before you just react. Yeah. Yeah. It takes, it takes a, a really deep level of, of self-awareness. And I'm sure that's why I'm sure you've, like meditation, I'm sure it helps a lot with that probably yep. too. Right. I mean, that's, um, you know, I don't have a super dedicated practice. I've, I'm in a, a, a brief m- period of, uh, missing my, my daily meditation. But one of the things that I've noticed is that when you do start to do that, you know, there, there's a reason why it's all the rage right now. Right. It, mm-hmm. it, it does genuinely help you separate this level of reactivity from your, your thoughts. And all of a sudden, the things that you feel in your mind stop becoming just this they they stop having this vice grip on how you interface with your reality and all of a sudden you can realize oh hey this is a thought i can ch- choose how i want to react to that thought mm-hmm. and i'm sure like when you're you know i mean i know that my parents probably could have stood to have a meditation practice, but the, this information wasn't available to a lot of, of people. And that's why I think this, you know, the, the fact that you call it modern dadhood is, is so apt, right? Because, because we are living in this sort of wild moment where people are having kids now that have access to all this knowledge for the first time, right? Like mm-hmm. we, we are, we remember the age before the internet and now we have, we have experienced what it's like to have access to all this information. And so what is this new generation of kids that have parents with that knowledge? Like, man, you know, I, I think about that. And it actually, dare I say, gives me some glimmer of hope for our future. Hopefully <laughs> time is of the essence, but you know, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah I mean, you know, on the topic of, of, of having information, you know, at our fingertips, it's, it's, it's a scary thing. Our, we talk about it a lot on the podcast. We've not never done an episode specifically dedicated to technology and how to prepare your, yourself or your, yourself and your spouse for when your kids are at an age where like they just have the internet at their fingertips. You know, my, my, thankfully like my girls are not quite at an age where the internet is readily available to them. So we haven't yet had to have the conversation of like 
there's a lot of dangerous stuff out there. You need to be careful. Like, here's some things to watch out for. Here's some things you don't want to do. But, um, yeah, I don't know. And and also we're like in this, you know, not to totally divert, but in this world where just in the last like six or 12 months, like look at all the AI stuff that has come about, you know, yeah. Yeah. My, my children are going to grow up in a world where a lot of the stuff that they're reading and interacting with, like won't have been written by a person who you know, studied it and wrote it with, you know, with, um, passion and personality. And that's like, that's a really weird thing to try to wrap your brain around too. Yeah. So like, I mean, do you, I have several friends who are explicitly saying that we are not having children because like, we don't think that, you know, the world is going to make it effectively. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't mean to take it to a, a bit of a dark road, but you, you know, you did sort of raise that just the, the world and maybe the world's always seemed crazy, but it does seem like shit is a little nuts out there. Yeah. Um, yeah. you know, is there, is there any part of you, that you know, sees an article on the news or like sees the state of things or whatever. And is like, oh man, like, did I, did I mess up here bringing, <laughs> bringing people into the world? You know, no, like, and, no. I, and I think that yeah. there, there are people that like, you know, it's, you know, take Twitter posts for, for what you will take tweets for what you will, but you know, like people I've heard people that are legit, like mad at their parents for like, like giving birth to them. And it's like, man, yeah. that is a wild way to think. So like, I, I, I think I know your answer to that, but I mean, are, do those things like, does that aspect of it weigh on you at, at all? I, I have no regrets for <laughs> bringing kids into the world. But I do think about their future. You know, yeah. I think about I think about my future. I think about what's the rest of my life going to look like. What what about when I'm seventy or eighty years old? Like, what's the world going to be? It's going to be a whole hell of a lot different than it is now. But no, I I don't regret I don't regret having kids. I am so grateful for it. And I just think about like you know you have whatever amount of time you have. You had a few really great episodes by the way on on death and you and i and i think about that stuff and i think we only have however many years or decades that we have on this planet and and so i'm only going to have however many years i have with my children Mm. and i need to just soak it in and live my life to the fullest and be as present as possible and try to push off all of those, you know, distractions of things that, that don't matter. And I don't know. I, I just like, I think about again, not to like go off on a tangent. you you can edit this however you want, but my mother passed away uh, uh, almost two years ago and she lived a long life. And she had a, a lung disease that progressed over time. Mm. And it was just her time. And it was obviously very difficult. Like nobody's ever prepared to lose a parent. It was devastating. But I, you know, one of the things that made me the most sad about it is 
that my girls only had like a few years with their grandmother who was such, you know, an important part of my life and who I loved so dearly made me sad to think that they were going to grow up not knowing her and their memories of her would be very limited. Now, of course, like we have video, like all sorts of videos and audio recordings and, and things that, you know, when I was growing up in the early eighties and, and like a grandparent passed away, like you don't have any, any of that stuff. So they'll have that and to keep her memory alive. But I just, then I sort of get thinking bigger picture. Like my mom lived 77 years. I have siblings who were 20 years older than me who got to spend a lot more time with her than I did. My girls were happened to be born here. And there was this little bit of overlap and you know, it's like you can f- grieve the fact that like they didn't get more time together, but like then you start to look at things big picture, and it's like, yeah, but they like they got to meet each other. They did have a little bit of time together, and they'll have these memories, and they'll have these videos. And I guess my my point is, you know, even if I drop dead tomorrow, and you know my family grieves me, that. I hope that they would feel, you know, happy and fulfilled in a sense of, you know, gratitude that like we got to spend the time together that we did. So I don't know. It's a pretty like grandiose thing to even try to put into words, but no, I don't, I, I, I'm a a bit fearful of like technology and what the future looks like, but no, I have no regrets about bringing kids into the world. And um, I'm just grateful for the time that we have together and our family reminds ourselves and each other of that a lot. The importance of gratitude. You touched on something that I, I, I think is just that Shannon and I reflect on very often is that even though your mother is is not here, every experience that you shared with her created who you are Mm -hmm. and who you are is actively shaping who your daughters are and will be and that is actively shaping who their children will eventually be and so on and so forth and you can go on into eternity and you can go backwards to eternity right the just the number of human beings that had to make it for us to sit here and have this podcast recording session you know it's 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 trippy i mean you know not to use a stereotype but it it kind of it it feels psychedelic in in a lot of ways Mm -hmm. to me because it's what we are doing as human beings it it transcends time itself like creating other people and creating like i don't know how much you 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 separate like the the body and and soul or whatever but like you know i i do view them as two kind of separate occurrences right it's like we through how whatever for, through evolution have been able to like we've been blessed with the biological ability to like create a vessel and then something happens where all of a sudden like that vessel becomes a conscious being where whenever it happens where like i don't know but then that spirit, that energy continues to move throughout the universe and, and bend space and time. And 
create things, you know, through, through visions, through ideas, through all this stuff. And then we all get to enjoy the fruits of, of our own labors of the labors of people that came before us and, and the folks that will come after us. It's just, it's, and that I think is why I know I want to have kids for that exact reason that you touched on because it is just, and it, and it sounds cliche, but I, I don't know that there is anything like that is more of more of a representation of just how to be crass, how fucking cool it is to be a person, honestly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, humanity is pretty fucking cool. Yeah. I, I mean, I, and I will say, like, I love my wife. Like, Sarah's like, Sarah's my soulmate, like, no question. But when you, like, make people together, I, I don't know, they're like, I, you look at your kid and you're like, this kid is a byproduct of, of us, I don't know. It's just a different kind of love. Like you, I know that you have been spending time with your niece and you feel a different kind of love for your niece. This, this strong family love that's different than your love for Shannon. But man, when you guys have kids, I mean, you're just going to, it just goes to a whole new level. I, I really, you can't describe it. You can't describe it. It's I, I heard somebody actually describe it once, and this may be like a very cliche thing that like a zillion people have heard. I can't remember who to attribute the quote to, but somebody compared having a child to your, I'm going to butcher it too. It's like your heart is walking around inside someone else's body. Mm. And it's like, uh, that instantly resonated with me. It's like that is exactly what it feels like. That's it feels like that person is a part of me. Wow. That's and it's like pretty, it's pretty mind blowing. Damn. Especially when they start to, you know, when you have a baby, like yeah. different people have different experiences when a baby is first born. For me, like I felt instant love with both of my children. Some people don't feel that. But I'll tell you, like, when they start walking around and talking and having mannerisms and, you know, now my my girls are like, you know, you can have real in-depth conversations with them and they have their own ideas. But like the things they say, like you hear parts of yourself and your own philosophies and what they're saying. It's like, man, you are so much like me, but you are also so much your own person. It just makes me so excited to just to see what they become dude that was absolutely beautiful uh, you gonna cry about it i'm gonna cry <laughs> you might make me cry you want me to cry i'll cry i'll fucking cry i'll cry for you uh adam dude thank you so much for being on the show man that was such uh an awesome conversation i i think that i feel slightly more ready to go down this journey uh just hearing it from you uh knowing how long we have been in each other's lives in, yeah. in different capacities and and just I, I i'm so happy to see you and your family thriving um i gotta i gotta come visit next time i'm up there i'd, I'd love to see you guys and and just uh spend some time and especially given the context of everything we just talked about on this podcast it, it's thank you thank you again so much 
I would love that. Yeah, you are welcome here anytime, you and Shannon. And I would love for for you to be a part of uh, for their lives and for my my kids to know you because uh, you got a lot to offer. Oh, thanks, man. Now you're actually gonna make me cry. <laughs> Um, I love you, dude. It was it was too, a great man. chat, and I really do appreciate you inviting me on. It was uh, it, it was really great catching up and talking about this stuff with you. Yeah, definitely. Anytime. You're welcome to come back anytime. Um, how can people find you, Adam Flaherty? What where promotes? The floor is yours. Well, uh, despite the uh, this fact that I hate social media. People can find me on uh, on Instagram or Facebook, uh, but don't don't look for me. Look for my work. So, uh, Modern Dadhood is the podcast. All of the episodes are available on moderndadhood.com. You can find it wherever podcasts can be found, wherever self assembly is is findable. Um, and I'm doing video production. It's Anchorline, Anchorline.tv. And I'm sure that some of the work that you were involved in is probably still there on the website. So you're, you're very much uh, present still in the Anchorline brand. Love it. I got to check out that. I got to check it out. <laughs> um, all right, dude. All the links to find Modern Dadhood are going to be in the description of the show. Once again, thank you very much, Adam. You are an amazing person. I'm so happy that you're in my life. And uh, yeah, thanks again. Say hi to the fam for me. All right. Love you, dude. Love you too, man. That was Adam Flaherty, everyone. Thanks again to Adam for being a guest on the show and providing my eyeballs with some much-needed moisturizing. (laughs) Please do check out Adam's podcast, Modern Dadhood. They have just fantastic, real, and raw conversations about the joys and struggles of being a dad, and anyone who's a parent will have a lot to learn from the show. You can find it anywhere you get your podcasts, but links will also be in the description of this show. If you're digging self-assembly, please, please, please do subscribe, leave a review, and follow us on Instagram at selfassemblypod. That's selfassembly, P-O-D. But at the end of the day, I just really appreciate you listening and hope you're getting something out of the show. We will be back in two weeks, provided the imminent alien invasion allows for it. (laughs) Peace, y'all.